Hey everyone, and welcome to Fred Fathoms. Today, I'd like to start with fathoming truck drivers during the COVID-19 pandemic. I have a great deal of respect for truck drivers because not only do we rely on them to deliver literally everything we use or consume, but about 6% of all careers would not exist if it were not for truck drivers, my own included. First, let's start with some interesting facts about truck drivers and the trucking industry in general. Trucks move around 70% of all goods in the United States. So if you walk through your house, at least seven out of 10 things in your house was at one time on a truck, more, more than likely more than that. Um, there are literally hundreds of thousands of trucking companies because 90% of trucking companies are 20 trucks or less, meaning the vast majority of trucking companies are small business owners. Truck drivers average 100,000 miles a year. So to kind of put that into perspective, I have a 2014 car and I have about 80,000 miles on it. So a truck driver drives in one year what it takes me six years to drive. Uh, grocery stores would run out of food in as little as three days if the trucking industry stopped. The average truck driver is 55 years old, and the average life expectancy of a truck driver is 61 years old, 17 years below the average. This means many truck drivers you see only have around six years to live. They do a tough job, and it's a job fewer and fewer people are choosing, and as a result, there is a driver shortage. During a normal economy, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300,000 drivers are needed to balance the need of drivers versus the demand for freight. And as drivers retire, that short is just going to get that much more prominent. And no, I don't think autonomous trucks are going to fix that anytime soon. Truck drivers also deal with a lot of shit. Driving the truck is probably the easiest part of the job. For whatever reason, Dock operators love to mistreat truck drivers, making it more of a pain for truck drivers to get into facilities and get out of facilities um, quickly and timely so they can make their deadlines. Since there are so many trucking companies, many have to work through logistics brokerages in order to find business to haul. These brokerages nickel and dime truck drivers in order to maximize their margins. They're also notorious for giving truck drivers inaccurate information as to what they are hauling, when it's going to be ready, and when it's going to deliver. So imagine driving for hours to get somewhere just to find out when you get there that the shipment isn't ready. So you have to call the freight broker and talk to some millennial in a high-rise cubicle who's likely never seen a truck outside of on the highway and be given the runaround about when the product will be ready to go. Meanwhile, you're going to be late for the pickup you were planning to do after delivering this shipment. Pretty aggravating and a very typical day in the life of a truck driver. Living in a truck is no picnic either. Trucking cabs have come a long way in improving a truck driver's standard of living, but it's still basically like living in a half-sized camper that inconveniently has no toilet or a shower. Being away from their families for days or even weeks on end is also a regular part of life for a truck driver. So let's recap. Driving 100,000 miles a year, dealing with shady freight brokerages, taking crap from dock operators, no readily available bathrooms, 
no ability to cook healthy food for yourself, constantly missing your family, and now the concern of risking infection of the COVID-19 virus and likely being in the most at-risk age group of death from that virus. So the next time you walk through a grocery store, think of all the truck drivers it took to keep that store stocked and the sacrifices and the risks the drivers took to keep us fed. The next time you think it's no big deal to cut a truck off or not let them merge in front of you or get aggravated at them because they're driving slow, stop and think before being a dick. The next time you see a truck driver, give them a shout from six feet away and say thank you. The road is a lonely place, so just interacting with someone is a nice thing, but hearing a genuine thank you will make their day. So the next thing I'd like to fathom are the benefits of working from home. Uh, as of this recording, we here in Illinois are finishing our second week of shelter in place, meaning we can only go to grocery stores, gas stations, you know, walk outside, and if deemed essential, we can go to work. Needless to say, it overall sucks, but there are some silver linings to it. But before I go into this, um, first I want to say if you were one of the six million people who have lost their jobs due to all of this, I genuinely hope you either get back to work soon or find a new job as soon as possible. The episode before this one, episode three, I give about a 10-minute guide to acing a job interview. If you haven't already, please go back and take a listen, and I hope it helps you. So back to working from home. The company I work for is considered an essential business as we manufacture containers used for a large variety of things from food products to chemicals used in hand sanitizer. So our business is doing fairly well right now. Um, I'm a corporate, you know, chunk of overhead and fortunately having a job that essentially consists of sitting in an office, staring at a computer screen nine hours a day and dialing into mind numbing conference calls where no one knows how to use the mute button is that you can do that easily at home. So I'm working from home these days and quickly realizing there are many benefits. First and foremost, I get to see my family a lot more than I ever have. It's sad to think how little we really get to see our families. And I keep reminding myself that I'll likely never have this much time with them ever again outside of vacations. Second is no more sitting in traffic. Walking from upstairs to the basement is a much easier commute to deal with. Not sitting under fluorescent lights all day has seriously done wonders for my vertigo symptoms. I don't know about you, but any brightly fluorescent light lit places make me extremely uncomfortable. Um, one thing I did start doing years ago is wearing blue light blocking glasses. Uh, these are glasses that are designed to minimize the strain on your eyes from electronics. And I can tell you migraines used to be a regular thing for me at work. But since I've started using blue light blocking glasses, I rarely get migraines. So I highly recommend picking up a pair if you use electronics a lot during the day. And if you're someone who likes watching TV or scrolling through your phone before bed, which I don't recommend, but wearing these before bed while using electronics will help you fall asleep more easily. So speaking of sleep, um, it's another benefit of working from home in that it's allowed me to adjust my sleep cycle and dedicate more time to my workouts. Typically, I'm an early to bed, early to rise person, so I can squeeze my workouts in the morning before leaving for work. Now, I'm working out during my lunch break, and I will say, while I am an advocate of working out in the morning for its energy-giving benefits, um, having a fed midday workout 
is just a lot more effective of a workout than a fasted early morning workout. I just feel stronger and better able to keep up and hit all the exercises effectively. So the combination of reducing my commute from 45 minutes to 10 seconds and moving my workouts from the early morning to lunchtime has allowed me to shift my sleep cycle back to where I'm going to bed and waking up an hour and a half later than I normally do. And I will say this has resulted in much better sleep and more time in the evening to relax and do things I normally don't get much time to do. My work productivity um, has been better as well. Uh, I've read a lot of studies that they find the average office employee only does around four hours of actual work a day. And if that's true, I can't say I'm surprised. When people know they are stuck in an office for nine hours a day, five days a week, 50 or so weeks a year, for the next 30 years, I just can't imagine why they're not grinding away every single day. Most office roles are either transactional-based or strategy-based or a mix of the two. Either way, overall productivity and meeting goals are at the end of the day what we're graded on. When in an office setting, where the spoken or unspoken rule is to be in from 8 to 5 every single day or even longer, the perception becomes that time in the office equates to productivity. It doesn't. If anything, working from home has made me more productive because I know I'm no longer bound by an abstraction of the professionally accepted work week and that the sooner I move the needle on my goals, the sooner I can call it a day. It really makes you start to wonder why so very few companies allow people who can work from home to work from home. We sit in traffic for up to two hours to and from work every day just to sit in front of a desk and work on a computer and dial into conference calls. I have a desk at home. I have internet at home. I have a phone at home. Why are we still cramming people into office buildings like it's the 1950s where we're all punching a typewriter and physically handing reports and other communications to our colleagues? Why are we still cramming the roads with cars when a large percentage of those cars are people who could already be working? Imagine the impact on traffic if everyone who could work from home did work from home. Truck drivers would sure as hell be a lot happier. Roads would last a lot longer, reducing the cost to maintain them. You keep hearing politicians go on and on about crumbling infrastructure. Well, get cars off the road. Speaking of politicians, many of them go on and on about how we need to reduce carbon emissions. Imagine the reduction in CO2 if all those cars were not on the road. Not to mention office buildings. The power needed to run those buildings and the space those buildings take up is simply not necessary. So I sincerely hope all of these companies who have been forced into allowing their employees to work from home come out of this and really start to assess some of the things I've been talking about there. So one last thing I want to discuss in this episode is a skill that uh, being around my four-year-old son a lot more than normal has caused me to improve. And that's reminding myself the emotional range of a child is not a one through 10 scale. It's basically one through three and then jumps to 10. This applies to any emotion. Your own emotional range as an adult should be a one through 10 scale. So you going from a three to a four can easily send your kid from a three to a 10. So before you do stop and ask yourself, is the situation justified for escalation or should I just hold this at a three and avoid getting my kid upset over something that just really isn't a big deal. In closing, a music recommendation is The Game by Milky Chance. 
I'll leave that in the show notes. This is a song. Um, it's really good to chill out to. And the lyrics are good. Like a lot of songs, a bit cryptic. Not sure exactly what the writer was talking about. But uh, anyone can find a way to relate to. So if you have topics you'd like me to discuss, please let me know. You can email me at fredfathoms at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at fredfathoms. And if this podcast helped you, please leave a rating and subscribe so it can reach others who it may help as well. Take care.